You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning. It's good to have you here. Uh, good to see uh, Isaac on the screen. Thank you, Isaac. I think he's down there somewhere. Are you here, Isaac? Yeah, thanks, brother. And uh, I want to, again, open this up to anyone um, who feel very comfortable in front of the camera and would you like to be on Church News, please let us know because we need more people to help us with Church News. Uh, This morning here, I get a chance to open up the Word of God, but before I do that, I want to say, Mark, brother, thank you so much for just uh, your hard work in teaching the Word of God last week. We were all blessed with such a challenging passage. Give them a round of applause. It is so good. Hey, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. God bless you as he continues to use you to help us grow in the Word of God. Um, Who's heard of the term GOAT? GOAT, it's an acronym for greatest of all time. All right? So when we think of, say, the tennis world, I mean, would the GOAT be Roger Federer or Rafael Nadal? You know? You know, like, or, or Pete Sampras, okay? Or maybe, maybe, maybe. Or when we think of the business world, is it uh, Elon Musk or uh, Jeff? Or is it Steve, right? And so we usually define, you know, greatness, right? Greatness uh, based on how many grand slam you've won. Is that right? How big is your bank account? Or how many social followers you have? It's all about size and skills and power and achievement, influence. This morning's passage here, right? In Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 41, Jesus flips greatness upside down. And he begins to talk about, if you want to be great, consider these three points, yeah? And so I want to talk about the pursuit of greatness, yeah? And there are three things that I want to teach you this morning based on the passage, which is Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 41. Number one is uh, refocusing Christologically. Number two is receiving the lowly. And number three, rejoicing in diversity. And they're the three things I want to teach you this morning. And I hope and pray that when we leave this morning, we will pursue greatness in the eyes of Jesus. Not of this world, but Jesus. Let me pray and we'll get straight to work. God, I pray that you would help me to uh, teach your word well, expound your word with clarity. And I pray, God, that we as a community of faith here would leave this morning just pursuing your ways and doing what you want us to do. So would you help me this time? Would you strengthen me? Will you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive your word? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bible, turn with me now to Mark chapter 9, and we're going through verses 30 to 41. Let me read the word of God. They, and the they here are the disciples and Jesus left that place and passes through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. Verse 32, but they did not understand what he, that's Jesus, meant and they were afraid to ask him about it. 
They came to Capernaum when he was in the house. He asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Let's just stop right there. So the text is very clear. Jesus is giving his full attention to his disciple. Right? He doesn't want to be distracted. So he doesn't tell the crowd his whereabouts. And he's teaching the disciples about his imminent death. He's telling them, I'm going to be handed over to men. I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to come back to life. But unfortunately, the disciples right, were too preoccupied with something else. Right? The text tells us that they're more concerned of being the greatest. Is that right? Here is Jesus. He's teaching on his suffering. Picture this with me. He's walking ahead of the disciples, teaching on the path of lowliness and humility. And behind him, you have these disciples pushing and shoving each other, trying to figure out who's got more power, who's got more prestige and position, who is the greatest. And the master gets to the house with the disciples. And in verse 34, he confronts them and says, hey, what were you guys all arguing about? And verse 34 tells us they were quite what, embarrassed because the text tells us that they kind of kept silent for a moment. Like they're kind of embarrassed, right? Instead of paying close attention to Jesus right, and his teaching, they were busy looking at themselves. Can you see it? And that's exactly what happens when we, you and I, shift our focus from Jesus and naturally we focus on ourselves. And that's what happens. See, the Apostle Paul would say this in Colossians 3, verse 1. Go there with me. He says, Therefore, if you have been raised with the Messiah, in other words, if you identify yourself with Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, keep focusing on the things that are above. In other words, keep your eyes Focus on Jesus, yeah? Because he is your Messiah seated at the right hand of God. Paul would say this as a reminder to the church in Colossae is that they have to keep focusing on Christ. And when we lose our focus on Christ, there's a tendency to focus on ourselves. And it's all about us. The author of Hebrews would say this in Hebrews 12, verse 2, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Friends, the danger is this, listen carefully, is that when we lose our focus on Jesus, we may find ourselves focusing on something that we think is significant when really it is insignificant. That's a real danger. That as followers of Jesus Christ here, we can fall into the trap of putting too much energy and time and effort into something that we think is important and great when it really isn't at all in the eyes of Jesus. And that's a danger for everyone who decides to follow Jesus. That we find ourselves being successful in the things that is not really important in the eyes of Jesus. And just recently, just last week, during the week, my, my daughter and I, we were walking and Matilda uh, was telling me the story of the rabbit and the tortoise, or the hare and the turtle. 
And she said to me, Daddy, let's race, let's race. You can be the rabbit and I will be the tortoise. That's what she said to me. And I said to her, why, darling, why? And then she said to me, because, because the rabbit was not focusing on the, ride, on the race and took a nap. And the tortoise won. And she's so true. Because in life, when we shift our focus away from Jesus, we end up focusing on something that could potentially hinder us from finishing the race. That's why the Apostle Paul, he does say this in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes through strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know what Paul is saying? He says that every one of us here, every Christian here, right, we're on a race, right? But our, our race is to get a crown that actually lasts, an eternal crown, not a temporary crown. And the only way to do that is to really fix your eyes on Jesus. In other words, live a life that when you meet him one day, you get that wonderful crown where Jesus says, well done, my faithful servant. Well done for keeping your eyes fixed upon me and you know, focusing on the important things, on the things that I see is great and not what the world see as being great. And that's the challenge for every Christian here today. That way we need to live a life where we have to always refocus back to Christ. And if you right now this morning, you, you're probably fixing your eyes on something and you feel that, wow, I've got to change, then do that. It's okay. Fix your eyes back on Jesus. Get back on the track. Keep running the race and focus on what is important in the eyes of Jesus and not in the eyes of yourself or man or this world. Amen. And so let me give you some things that we can do to help us fix our eyes on Jesus regularly. Just three simple things. Number one is really be intentional about it. Like every day, be intentional about asking yourself the question, am I focusing on Jesus today? Maybe set that as a reminder in your, I don't know, calendar throughout the course of the day. Find time to slow down and just take a few deep breaths and ask yourself the question, am I focusing on Jesus today? And if you spend the whole day just going from one meet to the next, emails and this and that, and you haven't had time to remember Jesus, there's a very good chance that that day you were probably fixating on something other than Christ. So be intentional. Find time during the day, slow down, and just gaze and fix your eyes in Jesus. And number two is this. I would say this is surround yourself with people who love to focus on Jesus. Don't do it alone. There are many people in this church here who loves Jesus. And let them help you fix your eyes on Jesus. Be with them. Be part of a small group. Be part of a serve team. Or be part of the prayer that takes place on Saturday morning. Just be around other fellow believers to help you so that you are refocusing Back on Christ. Don't do this thing alone because it's very, very hard. Here's the third thing. This is the youngies will like this here. Is uh, find an app. Find an app that will help remind you of 
amazing daily Bible verses. Even your smartphone can either be, I guess, an enemy, all right, or an ally, right? Well, make it an ally. Find a good app that every now and then sends a Bible verse and helps you to, wow, fix your eyes on Christ. Get rid of all those silly notifications that's happening on whatever, Facebook and Instagram. Turn them off. Turn on the one that sends you a daily reminder of the faithfulness of God. Let the smartphone be an ally, not an enemy. Imagine, you know, you're, you're about to look at something or a page that you should not be looking at online and then, boom, Proverbs 23, 26. My child, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. Wow, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, you're feeling a bit discouraged and you feel that you can't do anything and Ephesians 3, 20 comes up. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. Try that, but find ways to refocus Christologically. And then you begin to focus on what is important in the eyes of Jesus, and that's how you pursue greatness. That's the first thing that we see in the text. The second thing is receiving the lowly. Well, look in verse 35. A sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be the first, wow, must be the very last. Not the last, but the very last. And the servant of all. Not the servant of some, but the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, that's the disciples, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Let's stop right there. Picture this with me. Jesus doesn't lose his temper. He's calm. He's collected. He sits down. He says, you want to be first? You want to be the goat? You want to be the greatest? You must be the last. (laughs) And you must serve all. And he grabs a little child. And the reason why he grabs a little child is because the child is an illustration of um, someone who has no stature, no power, very limited rights, vulnerable, dependent upon their parents. And the child uh, represents people in society who are the lowly and the needy, the outcast, the insignificant, the voiceless. And he says to the disciples, you're talking about greatness? You're talking about being the goat? Well, if you want to be great, then give your attention and time and show humble service to the lowly and the needy. That's what he says. Receive the lowly. But look carefully what he says in verse 37. He says, you welcome a child, you welcome the lowly, the needy. You not only welcome me, but the one who sent me, my father. And he defines greatness by welcoming him through welcoming the lowly. You know, we, we live in a society where that's so countercultural, and it would have also been countercultural back then. Because the society we live in today is that to be great is to have people serving you. Is that right? Not serving others. I mean, to be great is to have people, you know, you, you know you've made it when there's a butler living with you. You know you've made it. 
That's the society. That's what society tells us. Just recently, Tran and I were at this fancy restaurant, really fancy restaurant. It was one of those restaurants where, you know, they assign a waiter for you. And this waiter would take you to your place and take your coat and your jacket and neatly put it away in the closet. And come back and say, well, Mr. and Mrs. Nguyen, uh, the next uh, experience is courtesy of the chef. The chef has decided the seven, it was seven course, seven course. You don't have to worry about ordering it. The chef has decided what you'll be having. And we're like, wow, this is amazing. It's really great, it's very important. And every time a course or a meal came out, the, the waiter was giving me like a five minute, 10 minute thesis on what I'm eating. <laughs> I feel so important. Oh, you're now having marin from the nicey ice cold water of Manjima? Wow, the beef that you're about to have Cows eating fine grass from the hills of Albany. Wow. Truffle, truffle growing from nice moist soil. Wow, in the region of Pemberton. It's like, wow. I had no idea what he was on about. <laughs> but he made me feel so important because it was all about serving us. See, the world says to be important, to be great, is to have people serving you. And then you're important. But Jesus, he flips it and he says, you want to be great? Forget about your status. Forget about your power, your influence. You receive the lowly. You serve the lowly. What you do to them, you receive me and my father. That's greatness in my eyes. That's what he says. Jesus says this in Matthew 25, 40. He says, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. You see that? See, when we embrace the poorly, when we serve the needy, when we receive the lowly, that's greatness in the eyes of Jesus. And at Sun Life Church, we have many opportunities to grow in that area. You know, the Agape Project, I've got some photos right here. The Agape Project. I really want to plug this ministry because Monday nights, half a dozen of you Sun Lifers, you're out there. Doesn't matter what the condition is, whether it's cold, wet, windy, you're there serving. And I hope and pray that when you serve these beautiful people, as you welcome them, as you receive them, remember the words of Jesus that you're also receiving him and the Father. What a great opportunity for us to be a community where we are serving the lowly and the needy. You know, tiny treasures every uh, Friday here, right here, we have 30 to 40 children come and just have a wonderful time and we get to serve these little kids. We're serving these children. We get to play with them, we get to sing with them, we give them arts and crafts, we, we feed them. What a great opportunity to receive these children. You know, Tuesday morning, Arlena and, and Taz there, we serve around 90 to 100 students that come here for free hot drinks right here on Tuesday morning. 
Why? Because we love these people. And I, and I love the text because the text says right here is that whoever God places in front of you that are lowly, without status, the voiceless, the vulnerable, receive them. If you receive them, you're receiving me and the Father. That's greatness. And I want to in, encourage us as a community here that when every time someone comes into the, the wards of Sun Life Church right here, we just love and we receive and we serve one another. And I, I want to say this to you as a community here. If you are not serving, these three beautiful ministry needs your help. Get in touch with Chow, who's in charge with Tiny Treasure, or Ali, in charge of the Choose the Drinks, or Tiffany and Nada with Agape Project. Find them and say, hey, how can I serve? How can I welcome the lowly and needy? That's greatness. And if you don't have uh, the, the, the time because these uh, ministry falls in different time slots, find the other various ministry in our church where we get to serve one another. And that's what I see here. So church, every time we serve, remember we are receiving Jesus and the Father in heaven. Everyone, everyone, no matter their status, are all created in the image of God. They're all precious in God's sight. They deserve love. They deserve our attention, our humble service, everyone. So whoever walks through the doors or whoever you meet in the bus stop or at school or at work and God is moving your heart, welcome them and serve them and receive them. That's greatness. And if you notice that there is always an opportunity because God is always giving you an opportunity, maybe he's teaching you greatness. If you're someone where you're like, God, there's another person that you've placed on my path, well, he's given you an opportunity to work on greatness. Receive the lowly. That's the second thing we see right there in the text. And lastly is rejoicing in diversity. Now look right now. It gets a bit complex right now. In verse 38, teacher, said John. So this is John, one of the close inner circle. Remember, it's John, James, and Peter. We saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we, the disciples, we told him to stop it because he was not one of us. See right there? So the apostle John noticed someone driving out demons in the name of Jesus. And John and the, the other disciples say, stop it. You can't do it because you're not one of us. You're not a follower of Jesus. This is John. This is the John, remember? The inner circle John, yeah? And look at Jesus' response. He gives them three responses. Verse 39 to 41. Do not stop that man, Jesus said. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the same next moment say anything bad about me. He says, don't stop that man. If he's done a miracle under my name, he won't say anything bad about me. Number two, for whoever is not against us is for us. He's not against us, so he's for us. And number three, truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water, in other words, the most simplest form of hospitality in my name because you belong to the Messiah, will certainly not lose their reward. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying the kingdom of God is not limited to the 12 of you. All right? It's inclusive. Yeah, this person is an outsider. 
This person here is an unknown person. He's casting out demons. But the kingdom of God is also for him. So don't stop him. Jesus is teaching the disciple that God's kingdom is for everyone. Also the outsider and the insider. And I think, as I studied this during the week, I think John and the disciples were quite jealous, right? When they saw the outsider being very successful. Think about that. You have an unknown person casting out demons, many demons. He's doing a great job. And the disciples say, this is not right because you're not part of us. How can you be that successful? And I think that jealousy crept in. Have you ever seen someone successful and deep down, jealousy begins brewing? Have you ever experienced that? Instead of rejoicing with them, instead of being happy for them, Deep down, you're praying and hoping that they will fail. I have. I'll tell you a few stories. I have a friend of mine who um, we grew up together, we went to uni together, and he's one of those friends where, I kid you not, he could just read the textbook before the exam. So the night of the exam, just read the textbook. Would not put much effort during the term, during the semester, and he will always beat me by 15% or so. And it's so unfair. I was like, how could that be possible? I've worked so hard for the whole semester, and all you do is just play games and whatever, and then the night before the exam, just read the textbook, and you just beat me by 15, 20% every time. I mean, when, when you're scoring 35%, it's pretty easy to beat me, right? <laughs> but I'll give you another example, a more serious example here. Over the years, God has helped me to overcome comparison uh, with our church and other churches, especially the charismatic Pentecostal churches. There was a period in my life many years ago that every time I saw a Pentecostal church, my friends who were leading these churches, when they did something, I had this doubt in my heart where I kind of felt that, yeah, their theology is weak. What they're doing is a bit crazy. I don't believe in their understanding of discipleship or spiritual gifting. And I'm so glad that over the years, God has worked in my heart. And today, some of my closest friends are leading Pentecostal churches. In fact, we know that some of our external elders of Sun Life Church are Pentecostal pastors. But there was a season in my life where I just looked down upon these leaders and said, well, you know what? You're not even theologically trained. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't even preach expositionally. And I had this, you know, comparison, and it was so unhealthy. But I am so glad that God has worked in my heart over the years to learn to major on the major and minor on the minor, and with the help of Jesus, learn to rejoice when my brothers and sisters who are from different Christian movement are successful. And I want to teach you that, that just because someone is different to us theologically, they're still on the same team, Team Jesus. That every Christian in this city and beyond, we manifest the glory of God in our unique ways. And that we should rejoice with our diversity. That we should not be arrogant 
Christians, saying that we know it all, but we should be humble and joyful believers, celebrating the victories and the success of people who may be slightly different to us with their distinctive, and that's okay. That we all manifest the beautiful glory of God in our own unique way. Nelson Mandela, I quote him, you know, we were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in all of us. And when we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And I think that's beautiful, that we are to rejoice amongst fellow brothers and sisters of the faith, that we are to celebrate their victories, and if they're doing a great job with evangelism or discipleship, and yeah, they might be from a uniting church or a Catholic church or an Anglican or a Pentecostal church, it doesn't matter. Let's major on the major and minor on the minor, and let's rejoice and really celebrate their victories, and that's greatness. And that's what Jesus says right here to disciples. Welcome this unknown exorcist person who's casting out demons. Rejoice in what they're doing. You know, Philippians 1, 15, 18, Paul writes this. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The later do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. How wonderful is that from Paul? He says, it doesn't matter. I'm going to celebrate when Christ is preached, I'm going to celebrate when I hear stories of other churches and other Christians doing a great work. I'm going to rejoice with them. And that, my friends, is a sign of greatness in the eyes of Jesus. And I want to encourage us that. You know, uh, in the essentials, in unity. So as Christians, we have certain distinctives which are essential. Let's unify in that. In the non-essential, liberty. In all things, charity. That's a well-known saying to help church, you know, I guess, celebrate diversity. So the things that we are united, the essential, let's unite in them. Anything that's slightly different, give them their freedom to do what they want. And in all things, let's just be humble, charity. Let's live together. Let's rejoice. So those three things to help us pursue greatness in the eyes of Jesus. Refocusing Christologically. Always have your eyes fixed on Jesus. Focus on what He wants you to focus on. Not on yourself, not in this world, not the people around you, but on Jesus. Number two, receive the lowly. Anyone who's needy or lowly that comes into your path, receive them, welcome them, love them, serve them, embrace them. That's a mark of greatness. And finally, well, let's rejoice. No matter how diverse we are, let's rejoice and celebrate the victories of other brothers and sisters who might be slightly different in distinctives, but we're in the same team. So Sun Life Church, keep those three things in mind. Goat, greatest of all time. 
but in the teachings and the words of Jesus. May God bless you. May God use you to keep pursuing a lifestyle of greatness, but not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of the Messiah. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for reminding us what it means to be great in the eyes of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just pray, I just pray, God, that as a community, we are forever fixing our eyes upon Jesus, that we want to do the things of Jesus. Yeah, we want to follow the ways of Jesus. God, I also pray, God, that we as a church will just really uh, embrace uh, one another, uh, especially those in society that are the vulnerable and the voiceless, the needy, the lowly, that we would really, yeah, show your love to them through the way we welcome them and humbly serve them. So I pray for that culture at Sun Life Church where we're not thinking about ourselves, but thinking about someone else. And lastly, God, I pray, God, as a church, we would celebrate the success and victories of fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, whatever they're doing, in the city or beyond. Oh, may we celebrate. May we rejoice in their success. So God, help us to keep these three lessons close to heart as we continue to pursue a lifestyle of following Jesus. Bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, would you be upstanding? Let's just respond. Let's just worship in this time right now.